scripture today is, is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Last week we looked at chapter 3, 16 and 17, and then also 4, 1, 2, and 3. So we're now going back to this section uh, that we skipped over, verses 18 to 22. And just remember how important it is when you come to hear a sermon from the Word of God, that God is speaking uh, in and through His Word, and He does so in and through, yes, sinful people like myself. And uh, so pray that God would speak to you, that God would speak to, to everyone that's here today, but also through sermon audio, the message goes out. So pray for those who listen. Uh, on sermon audio as well. But I want to read now from the Word of God, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.18. I said in my heart, concerning the estate of the sons of men, God tests them, that they may see that they themselves are like beasts. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to beasts. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men, which goes upward, and the spirit of the beast, which goes down to the earth? So I perceive there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Lord, would you please instruct us now uh, by the Holy Spirit who inspired these words. Would you now illumine these same truths and help us to see what they mean and how they apply to us today? Uh, and Lord, we are listening Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the question uh, we, we can ask, many questions we can ask, uh, who is God? Uh, what is God like? We can also ask questions like, uh, what is man? Who are we? And in the account of creation in Genesis, we learn uh, a number of things. Uh, man, we learned that man was created in the image of God. Created male and female. But that through the fall of mankind into sin, uh, that man has become something very different from uh, God's original intent at, at creation. Because he made us good, uh, holy, and righteous. Uh, but what is man now after the fall? Well, there are a number of things that we can say, uh, specifics about that. After the fall, after Adam and Eve fell and the whole human race with them, all mankind, first of all, lost communion with God. Uh, our spiritual lives, uh, we became dead and sinned, and we fell under the curse of God. And, and so being sinful and separated from God uh, results in us being uh, no longer his servants, but the servants of sin, slaves to sin and even to Satan. And so we are. Uh, we find uh, that humanity. We are, as human beings, corrupt within. 
We are corrupt in our behavior. We have a bad record. We have a bad heart. Uh, and we are prone to sin. Uh, that's what we do. The, the, the soul of human beings is totally depraved from birth. And some misunderstand what that means. But when we say that man is totally depraved, um, what we mean by that is, is that our lives within and without, are tainted by sin in every part. That there's nothing in our lives that's not tainted by sin. As Paul, the apostle, could write, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. So as sinners, uh, we're filthy. Uh, Job 15, verse 16, says that man is abominable and filthy who drinks iniquity like water. And the prophet Isaiah described... Uh, it says, we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So even the good things that we think we are doing, even those are filthy uh, in the sight of God. So uh, by nature, now after the fall, human beings have no true goodness in them. We're dead in sin. We're defiled in all parts, as the confession of faith says, all faculties of soul and body. Uh, and if that weren't bad enough, uh, sinful human beings are blind to the reality of their sinfulness. Okay, so uh, Revelation 3.17, Jesus said this. He says, you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. That's, that's, that's the pride of the human heart. And he says, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, Blind and naked. Well, of course you don't know because you're blind. You can't see it. Uh, that's what sin does. It blinds us. Uh, we see everybody else's sins, but we can't see our own. Uh, and Jesus there was speaking to those who professed to believe in him, to one of the churches uh, in that day. And so if even Christians are often blind to our sinfulness, what does that say about the rest of the world? Uh, well, you see, before anything spiritually good can take place in our souls, in our lives, um, we have to have our eyes opened to see the evil uh, in our souls. And, and if we think we're good people, uh, then we'll never get anywhere. Uh, we'll make no progress. We won't seek salvation. We won't desire anything uh, in, in relation to what God uh commands us to do. And in Ephesians 4, Paul wrote this. He says, speaking of the Gentiles, which was obviously um, the vast majority of people in the world uh, were and are Gentiles in the sense that they're not Jews. Uh, it, it, it astounds me that even today, there's not many Jews in the world. You know, there's technically only about 15 million Jews in the whole population in the world. It's uh, a very small group. But the Gentiles, that's the mass of people even in that day, says they walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So here Paul associates blindness with ignorance. And uh, they had no understanding of God or of themselves. But it's not only Gentiles who are blind. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.14 uh, it says of the Jews that their minds were blinded because of their rejection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Most of the Jews today are still blind uh, to their sin and to their Savior. 
the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, of course, this, this is due to our own sin, this blindness, but it's also due uh, to Satan, the activity of Satan. 2 Corinthians says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. So, back in Ecclesiastes 3.17 that we looked at last week, it spoke of God judging the righteous and the wicked. First, he talked about you know, how there's wickedness, where they're in, in the place of righteousness, and so on. And then in chapter 4, we saw uh, that there's oppression, and there's no one uh, to come to the aid or to comfort those who are being oppressed. But the good news was, in, in chapter 3.17, is that God will judge the, right, the, the righteous and the wicked. Uh, and we know that, that nothing has changed here, because in the New Testament we are taught that that the Father will send Jesus to be the judge of the world. And then on that day, he will punish the wicked. And there's so much injustice in the world we talked about. But one day God will make everything right. He'll punish those who are guilty of that injustice. And there will be retribution for their sins. uh, And there will be eternal torment. And we look around and we see a lot of evil today. And we would cry out, Lord, why are you not punishing evil? Why are you uh, so slow, it seems, to punish the evil? Why doesn't he do it now? Well, I like what our author, commentator Derek Kidner said. He says the reason God delays his just judgment of evil, at least in the context of our passage, is, quote, that our first need is not to teach God his business. That, that's a good reminder, right? Uh God, why don't you do thus and such? Because I'm God and you're not. And uh, that's what the first lesson. So our first need is not to teach God his business, but to learn the truth about ourselves. A lesson we are very slow to accept. Uh, I can assure you that even after becoming a Christian, we still, we still are slow to see ourselves as we are. Again, Solomon had been talking about the wickedness, the iniquity, the injustice, the oppression, especially of those in power. And we might be tempted to look and see how great their evil is. And by comparison, we feel pretty good. Uh, but, <clears throat> but in verse 18 of our passage, you see what he does, he lumps the whole mass of humanity into the same uh, beastly condition. He's, he said, Solomon said this, he said, I said in my heart, concerning the condition of the sons of men, that's all of us, and God tests them that for a reason, that they may see that they themselves are like animals or are but beasts. And so he tests us. He tests the sons of men to show them what they really are. Um, and, and Because they don't see that. Because of their spiritual blindness, so God has to help them by testing. The word test here is, is in the context of verse 18, means to test or examine something to prove uh, the nature of what something is. We, we think of scientific tests uh, to determine uh, what a substance is. I took a class in, uh, in uh, graduate school, quantitative analysis. It was way over my head. Uh, I assure you, and I had to take the lab. I had a good lab partner, but uh, every every week we were given a, a completely unknown substance, and we had to determine by testing what that substance 
was. And it was, and it was pretty cool. Um, but I still hardly knew what I was doing. Uh, but the word test here, see, God tests to prove the true nature of something. We don't know. We don't know what man is. We don't really know ourselves. Um, and, but God gives us a way to determine that by testing us. And in light of verses 16 and 17, I think what, what God is doing here, he's testing humanity by allowing injustice and the inhumanity of man. And that in itself is revealing something to us. It's revealing our, the sinful and depraved nature of humanity for all of us to see. Now we know what's in man when we see uh, things. We see, we've seen things uh, that happened uh, Saturday a week ago. Uh, Hamas, uh, terrorists from Hamas entered Israel to do horrible things that we've heard about and seen in the news. The slaughter of infants, things so gruesome and so shocking and so wicked. Uh, savage evil right before our eyes. And um, we, we all, of course, we ask, why would God allow that? Why would this happen? Surely he could have prevented it, right? Well, again, we, don't, we cannot question the ways of God. But according to verse 18, we can discern at least one purpose for such evil to be manifested. That is to show us what we all are, that we are like beasts. Uh, or is, yeah, so, so we all look with horror on this evil. And let's, let's think about it for a minute. These terrorists uh, from Hamas, uh, how could they commit such disgusting and shameful acts of murder? What, what is going on here? And, you know, before Hamas, we, we, we were thinking more about ISIS. And, and General, U.S. General Lloyd Austin said this past week, he said, Hamas fighters took evil to another level from the Islamic State, jihadists. He said, in encountering ISIS, I felt as if we were staring evil in the eye. It was truly evil. And what we've seen from Hamas, it takes that evil to another level. So when we look at these terrorists, if we look at, look at them in the eye, we see evil, we see pure evil, we see barbaric savagery. But as we look into their eyes, what we are seeing is a reflection of what mankind is by nature. Uh, and we think, of course, we would never commit the atrocities that th these people uh, committed. Uh, and, and many people said, we would, oh, I would never do what the Nazis did and, you know, against the Jews either. But history tells us if you, if you go back and, and look at for example, the Nazis. There were people, just ordinary people, who uh, who did do horrible things, who probably never thought they would do the things that they ended up doing. And so the Bible tells us, watch out if you think you stand, lest you fall. Uh, we need to see the root of evil, the root of that kind of evil, is, is, is part of our human nature, because we're part of the human race. And so... Uh, in the Middle East right now, God is showing us not merely the wickedness of a handful of Arab Palestinians, but the wickedness of the human race, of which we're all a part. We are all like beasts, like animals. Now, of course, 
apart from the grace of God, we would be as bad as they are. But because of God's restraining grace and because of his redeeming love for the believer, we're not doing those kinds of things. And yet uh, we need to see that's what we are by nature. So it's God in his word telling us what, what we are, what our human nature is like. And until we see this, until we see our own sin and sinfulness, uh, our guilt and depravity, we're not going to repent. And and we're not going to call on the Lord to save us. Charles Bridges, in his wonderful commentary, said, For indeed, they will never know their honor until they know their shame. Yet this they'll never see until God manifests unto them their real state. So degraded is man, he cannot understand his own degradation. See how important it is, theologically, biblically, uh, for us to make a big deal about sin and about the nature of sin in, in, our, in hu- human beings. Uh, that's the first, that's the key that unlocks the door to everything else. And of course, even then, uh, the Holy Spirit must enable it to happen. The Holy Spirit must turn the key to open the door for us to see anything. But uh, the good news, of course... You want to hear good news too, right? I hope you do. Uh, That God has not abandoned the human race completely uh, to its bestial nature. Uh, He continually restrains evil in this world. You say, well, it doesn't look like it, but I don't think we could imagine the horror and, and the wickedness and the evil. Things could be far worse than they are. God is, I assure you, restraining evil uh, in his world. I believe the human race would have destroyed itself long ago if God had not uh, restrained uh, the human race from doing so. But, but more than that, of course, uh, God has chosen to redeem for himself a people out of fallen humanity. In order to save those people, he sent into the world a redeemer. The redeemer of his elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was uh, God and became man. He is one person with two natures. The angel appeared to Joseph, betrothed to Mary, and said to him, Mary will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So God sent his son to redeem us, to save us from our sins. From our sins. Uh, He he saves us by his death and resurrection. He saves us by giving us a new heart. Uh, so that we desire to live uh, for him. Uh, He then sanctifies us so that we grow in grace, as I was talking about earlier. And little by little, we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We see the renewal of our minds leading to the transformation of our lives. And so we develop, we begin to develop as we grow, we develop Christ-like character. That's important. The fruit of the Spirit are born in our lives. But then we also, uh, we are embracing then, you see, a God-centered, a biblical worldview. You, you, you cannot live a, uh, a life that, God, that pleases God until you have a mind that has been renewed and developed as, as a biblical worldview and life view. And Christianity, especially after the Protestant Reformation, because the church went through 
in the early church, it was an immature stage. There was a lot of things going on, some good, but a lot of things that were not good. And then the Middle Ages were the Dark Ages, even for the church. Uh, but God sent reformers, and we're, 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 all, we're near, of course, that time of year when we remember the, the Reformation that happened. And uh, especially after the Reformation, you see, resulted in the formation of Western civilization as we know it. And, uh, and that's really what we have inherited, right, in Europe and in the United States. That's all most of us have ever known, unless you grew up in another country uh, it, uh, that's not part of uh, the West. And so in Western civilization, and, and we take this for granted, and, and I, I don't think we realize, some of you do, because you uh, are knowledgeable and you're aware of these things, uh, historically and uh, just because you, you, you're up on things. But in the West, and it's not true in every nation by any stretch, but we enjoy freedom, you enjoy law and order, not perfectly, of course. We still enjoy the right to private property, democratic and free elections, economic opportunity, many, many other blessings. But in the West, in Europe and in America, we are in grave danger of losing these blessings. And why is that? Well, we would say without it, without question, it's because we turn our back on uh, on God and on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've rejected the truths of the Bible, and we're becoming more lawless, therefore more perverted, more violent, less free every day. And we see this. We see this manifestation of evil all around us in so many different forms. What is God saying? He's saying, "This is who you are. This is what humanity is without me." And I'm thankful, you know, for those who are fighting evil, uh, wherever evil does rear its head. I think we uh, we say, you know, that Israel certainly has a right to fight evil uh, that they've experienced recently. And uh, but in our own culture, uh, the cultural evil that we see uh, needs to be fought, and and it should be fought at the cultural level. It should be fought at the political level. But if those are the only ways that we fight against evil. Uh, then we'll lose the battle. Uh, Ephesians 6 says, Put on the whole armor of God, and that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against political uh, systems and, and so forth, or cultural uh, uh, movements. We wrestle against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places because evil you see is a spiritual problem it has a spiritual root and that's again one of the things that god wants us to see and so we have to return to these spiritual principles if we're going to ever see any progress against evil in our day so what about those who committed the atrocities uh, of last week uh, saturday a week ago they worship a false god, we can say that. They practice a false religion. So they have no connection with God. They are not redeemed. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. And somehow God has given them up to commit these horrible, horrible things uh, that they did. Uh, because they are indeed servants of the evil one. Uh, and they're following their own evil hearts and an evil religion. So the only hope for humanity remains the redeeming grace of God in Jesus Christ. 
the only hope for humanity, human beings, to stop behaving like animals is that they see what they are. See their horrible nature and see that they need a Savior. They need a Redeemer and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The only way for you and me to to continue to rise above our beastly natures is to repent daily and, and to call upon the Lord Jesus every day for His forgiveness, for His grace, to humble ourselves before Him. We need to look in the mirror of God's law every day. James says the law is like a mirror. He says, but you know, there, there are some people who look at the mirror and then as soon as they look at themselves, they forget what they look like. Right? And we go right back to our prideful uh, self-righteousness uh, if we forget what we see in the mirror of the law of God. The law of God uh, shows us what we are. Uh, all the sins. And so we have to do that every day. But if, if you have not done so, uh, what the first step you need to do is to call on the Lord and ask Him to save you and make you a new person. And then begins the growth. You can't grow until you have been given life. You can't grow if you're not alive spiritually. And the growth in grace is, is how do we know if we're growing in grace? Because we... Uh, Feel it in our hearts? Well, that may be part of it. Uh, are we growing because we uh, just start talking more uh, in spiritual terms? We have we, we talk about things more about God? Well, that may be true as well. But the real test of spiritual growth is obedience to the commandments of God. And so we have to we have to examine ourselves in light of those commands every day. So praise God that God does actually enable us to walk in the way of his commandments and to please the Lord because Philippians 2 says it's God who works in us to will and to do according to his good purpose. Uh, he enables us to do what he commands us to do. Well, Solomon moves on. I'm going to try to cover this quickly. What happens to the sons of men, verse 19, also happens to the beasts, the animals. One thing befalls them, one dies, so dies the other. Uh, they all have one breath. Uh, you know, man has no advantage over animals. They're all from dust, and they're all going to dust. What is Solomon doing? Well, again, he does as he so often does in this book, and he looks at things uh, as they are under the sun, right? Just an earthly perspective, and and from outward observance, you know, men who act like animals, well, they're they're going to be they're going to die. They die just like animals too. Uh, and they're buried, and that's that's the end. At least that's all we can see. Uh, <clears throat> you know, our bodies die, and they decompose. They go to the dust. Uh, that's all a secular worldview can tell you. Uh, and and more and more, as as more and more in our own country, you know, have that <clears throat> secular worldview. Uh, that's what they see: that we die, we return to the ground, and that's it. Uh, but then verse 21, he asked this question, well, who knows the spirit of the sons of men? Some translations say, who knows whether the spirit of the sons of men uh, go upward and the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth? Um, you know, both uh, human beings and animals die. Uh, what happens to, this, to the animating part of their being, their soul, their spirit? Uh, who knows? Who knows? By observation, you can't know because you can't see the soul. Uh, 
but again, Solomon is just looking at it from the outward standpoint. And, uh, you know, men live like beasts. They die like beasts. Who knows? Maybe their spirit ceases to exist like beasts. Uh, who really knows? Well, we know. We know because God has revealed it to us uh, in his word, especially the New Testament. Uh, we, we know uh, that uh, man is much different than an animal. His spirit does rise up at death to enter into the presence of God. And at that point, the Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once. And after that, the judgment. God assigns the eternal destiny uh, for the soul uh, as soon as there's death. So you and I will live forever somewhere. Our soul leaves the body at death. It returns to the Creator who made it in the first place. And God's judgment is made known at that time. And the souls, we're going to spend either eternity in the presence, the loving presence of God or separated from that loving presence of God. I would urge you to read Psalm 49. And if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, but the psalmist says in 49.11 of the unbeliever, it says their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He's like the beast that perished. Here that we have that same thought again. And people in the world today, and, and again, even Christians, sometimes we are guilty of this. We, we sort of live in denial of the fact that we're going to die. Even as we age, we still think, oh, I'm in reasonably good health. You know, I'm not too worried about dying right now, but... Uh, we're all going to die. We're all going to perish like the beasts. <clears throat> and of course, worse than beasts, the soul at death will perish and suffer eternal punishment unless we know Christ. But the psalmist goes on in, in Psalm 49, verse 16. He says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Now that's astounding revelation in the Old Testament uh, that, that, that hints at what we see more clearly in the New Testament uh, that, that at death, uh, God redeems the soul and, and from, the, from the grave and receives our souls into his presence. And that's the hope that we have as Christians. This hope, uh, as Hebrews says, is the anchor for the soul. And the psalmist in Psalm 49, the last verse says, A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beast that perished by. How do we know they're beasts have a beastly nature? Because they perish like beasts and they don't even understand uh, what they are. So man, once the glory of God's creation, uh, once uh, in Genesis says, God says, take dominion over the earth and over all the animals, over all the beasts. And yet now we have become more vile uh, because of sin than the beast. And... Uh, and, and now we're below the animals, really. Animals uh, are more righteous than we are, uh, in, in a sense. So, But the person who doesn't see this, the person who refuses to see uh, wickedness in human nature and in their own hearts, who doesn't understand, only proves that they are like the beast that perish. And the sad reality is the vast majority of people on this planet uh, live as if they had no soul, live as if there was no God, they live as animals. And that, that you know, the, the reality is we see that, right? 
they live as animals according to their sexual uh, desires. They live as animals according to their violent desires. And we could go on and on. Their greedy uh, desires. I just spoke to someone uh, yesterday who had he'd hired a group, uh, a guy to to put in a swimming pool for him. I said, how's the swimming pool? You know, y'all enjoying that? No, we got ripped off. (laughs) Uh, People took $5,000 and ran. They disappeared from the face of the earth. So this is what happens uh, to humanity. And Satan has blinded them to their evil. So we need to pray that God would show us our sin and show the world uh, their own sinfulness, especially as we look at the horrible things that are happening Uh, that this is a reminder that all men are by nature depraved and all men need salvation as much as ever. If we don't turn to Christ, uh, the human race is, uh, and there is going to be no civilization uh, anymore. So you and I need to get busy. We need to get busy praying. We need to get busy working, uh, witnessing, and and looking uh, at, at this world from God's perspective. Uh, Solomon ends these thoughts in verse 22. He says, So I perceive that nothing is better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for that's his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? It's just a theme that he keeps returning back to, and it's kind of almost doesn't seem fitting after he says all that he said. You know, uh, just, okay, well, don't worry about all that, you know, all the, the stuff I said about the animals. Just just live and enjoy your life now, right? Uh well, I think that the idea is that, that since God is sovereign, first of all, he's going to judge the wicked and the righteous. There's going to be uh, you know, a final day where all things are put right. Uh, and, and the righteous, you see, we know God. We know Christ as Savior. We know God as our Heavenly Father. And uh, we don't need to fear. We don't need to worry. We don't need to live our lives uh, you know, hiding uh, uh, and, and running and, and worrying all day long. No, no. Uh, nothing can take us out of the hands of our loving God, Jesus said. And we know our destiny, our eternal destiny is secure. And as Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So, if you fear the Lord, you have nothing to fear from man. So you might as well live your life. Do what God's given you to do. Enjoy the work of your hands. And carry out your earthly responsibilities. Rejoice in the Lord. And then look forward, of course, to the life to come. We live in this world. We can be blessed in this world. We can enjoy life. Uh, but this world's not our home. We have an eternal home. And I want to close with the last three verses of Psalm 32. We sang uh, some of this psalm earlier. But at the end of the psalm, uh, the, the conclusion is, and it's a psalm about confession. Uh, again, one of the two uh, penitential psalms that David wrote. It says, do not be like the horse or the mule. David's saying like I was, basically. Which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. That's, that's the note we need to leave on today, is the note of joy. 
uh, in spite of the dark things, in spite of the, uh, the, the heavy things that we have to consider about sin, in the end, uh, we rejoice because we know the gospel, we know the, the Christ who is revealed in that gospel. Let's pray together.